Welcome to All Rings Considered, the podcast on all things Tolkien. This is episode one of our Lord of the Rings read-through. I'm Charlie, and with me as always is Pip. Oh, were you expecting me to say hello? Yeah, maybe you should. Am I a dog? Do I just, on command, <laughs> just <laughs> speak for you, Charlie? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but this is episode one, uh, discussing chapter one of the Lord of the Rings, A Long Expected Party. And actually, I guess right off the bat, we should probably address why we are not starting with the prologue. Uh, I'll be honest, I just don't like the prologue. Uh, I think it's sort of dull. I don't think it's a good start to the book. I think the book has a very strong start where it is uh, in Long Expected Party. I think starting with this sort of long encyclopedic historical world-building thing is not very compelling. Uh, if I were a first-time reader and that was my first exposure, I would probably put this book down very, very shortly. I completely agree. Um, the prologue just really isn't the same tone as the rest of the book. Um, I think it belongs more as like an appendix. I agree with you. It feels more like an appendix. It, it feels like it belongs there with all this history on the Hobbits and history on the Shire and all these things. And it's like, well, do I really need to know all that, though? Nope. <laughs> the, the narrative itself does a perfectly fine job of explaining any, anything you need to know about hobbits and their culture. And if, even if some stuff is unexplained, if you didn't read the prologue, it's not really need, you know, you don't need to know it. On that note, then, for chapter one, what we're looking at here, just to give a quick summary. Uh, so chapter one begins with Bilbo Baggins having his 111st birthday party or 111th birthday. Um, he's invited everybody in the Shire to come. They all come to this big, massive party. He's organized it with Gandalf. Gandalf has some fireworks there, and everybody has all, all this great times and fun. Bilbo then all of a sudden gives a speech uh, to a select audience and then just says he's leaving and literally disappears. And, of course, we find out this is because he has put on his magic ring from The Hobbit, the previous book uh, before Lord of the Rings, which Bilbo was, of course, the protagonist of. He then goes up to his uh, house, his little hobbit hole home, uh, talks with Gandalf before actually leaving, where Gandalf encourages him to give up his ring. And there's a very interesting bit here that I think really occupies the, the heart of the chapter, where Bilbo and Gandalf have a bit of an argument about this, because Bilbo is suddenly reluctant to give it up. And it's a very tense moment. And he does eventually give it up by choice. And it's going to play into things later, according to Gandalf. But he, he, he gives it up by choice, but not after a good bit of, of struggle. Finally, then, Bilbo's heir, his adopted nephew, Frodo, uh, he takes over Bilbo's home, Bag End. And Gandalf leaves him. He cautions him before leaving to make sure the ring is taken care of and to not use the ring. Some keep it hidden. Don't use it. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. He then leaves. Yeah, that's basic. I mean, that's that's the that's the core of the chapter. I yeah, think. it's a short chapter. Um, let's see. Right away, I'd like to start with um, sort of the beginning. There's a description of Bilbo from other characters in the book. And so you have this conversation with some other hobbits where the gaffer, who is Bilbo's gardener, is talking about Bilbo and some of the other queer folk in the Shire. And you they end up on a story of Frodo's parents' death. And so I think this is actually a really important part of this chapter. And so I'd like to start with just a little bit about it. So number one, 
Across cultures, water classically represents both the unknown and change. So whenever that comes up, it's important to pay attention to water. Frodo's parents die, they drown out when they're boating. Hobbits are actually afraid of water. They have like a strong suspicion of water. And that's actually a connection there with hobbits being afraid of the sea and also being afraid of change in the unknown. And if you look at what boating is, uh, you can think about it as a way to master water. It's So this gives us a little bit of a peek at what Frodo might be like. He might also be like his parents who go out into the unknown and take risks. But also I think this is important because it sets a tone for stakes in the book. Um, the hobbits are afraid of water, but the fear isn't irrational. Interaction with the unknown and change can kill you. Um, and in this case, it does. And so it sort of points out that in the book, it's not a guarantee of safety that you go off on an adventure. So, so far in this short conversation, we have an insight into a uh, hobbit's character in general, um, fear of change, insight into what Frodo might be like. Um, he might be somebody who goes out and explores the unknown. It sets a tone for the danger of the book, and it also, I think, presents an attitude of understand of the role of stories. It's a little bit meta, but not in a cheap way, but you're having the importance of myth being explained through a story being told in the story, and I think that says something about the attitude that Tolkien has about stories in general. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating, actually. I had not thought about any of that like, <laughs> when, when i read through that seriously i just thought it was just oh here's some background information because tolkien i don't know i was like maybe he's just not comfortable with having bill will be married so he has to justify how he has some kind of air uh he came up with a story for it so no that's that's brilliant though actually i had not thought about that at all what what i took away from the chapter uh was also the kind of almost sort of meta stuff in a way but just that this this chapter is picking up from the hobbit in a way right i mean probably read the hobbit before reading lord of the rings so it, it has to sort of work in that shadow for a bit and chapter one almost it almost feels like the hobbit at first it has sort of this comic tone and it's almost lighthearted. except it, it almost immediately transitions because not only do you have that discussion you pointed out about frodo's parents dying uh, but the central tension in the chapter comes in that argument between bilbo and gandalf about the ring and Bilbo's hesitation to give it up and it, it transitions really the Hobbit starts and it very quickly it gets into just comical things kind of mixed in with some serious stuff and that serious stuff though is very much like here's our quest and the Lord of the Rings is like we're you know we're gonna have some fun we're gonna have some comedy but also let's launch right away into something like psychological and <laughs> significantly more mature than anything the Hobbit was looking at because that whole exchange with Bilbo and Gandalf is very much classic addiction, right? Right. In a way, too, that not the kind of addiction you might have as a kid if you're, I don't know, addicted to video games or whatever it is children are playing these days, <laughs> um, but but rather a, a sort of more almost adult kind of addiction and, and the, the darker side of it that that we see. And it's it's a very interesting transition and shift, and it's sort of working in that, in its its place as, oh, it's the sequel to The Hobbit, but also, it's a book on its own. Its audience is different. It's not for children. And it's going to let you know sort of right away how that works. I like that. That's actually, I think, something important to note about it is that the the themes are a little bit deeper. Where, like you mentioned, The Hobbit 
our enemies are googly goblins, you know, with you know very obvious a dragon, you know, something very obvious. And right away we have something where the potential for evil is something that we're looking at ourselves. You know, it's it's a character struggling with himself versus an outside force. Yeah, absolutely. So, and part of this introductory chapter too, we have a transition not only from sort of the themes of The Hobbit to the themes of The Lord of the Rings, we also have a very little character transition. So in the beginning of the book, we start seeing things. Mostly it's about Bilbo. We see things from his perspective. So again, it's sort of picking up where The Hobbit left off in that sense. Really right. Sort of building on that expectation. And then at the party after his his disappearance, let's see, it's three paragraphs after his disappearance. We had the first instance of seeing the story from Frodo's perspective. And I think if you look at what do we know about hobbits so far, it can give us some insight to why this paragraph is kind of interesting. Um, so what do we know about hobbits? They like to gossip. They don't like to think too deeply about things. They don't find odd things funny. They don't like it. And they love to eat. And in this paragraph, I can read it real quick. It's so Frodo was the only one present who said nothing. For some time, he sat silent beside Bilbo's empty chair and ignored all remarks and questions. He had enjoyed the joke, of course, though he had been in the know. He had difficulty in keeping from laughter at the indignant surprise of the guests, but at the same time he felt deeply troubled. He realized suddenly that he loved the old hobbit dearly. And so the first time we see Frodo, we see Frodo flouting all the expectations about hobbits. The first thing is he didn't say anything. He wasn't gossiping. He wasn't chatting. Um, he sat silent in thought and he also he just gets up from the table and he has something to drink and he leaves and he feels very troubled he actually he finds the joke funny right (laughs) um and so you can just see immediately that frodo is being set apart from uh other hobbits yeah one other thing too it's almost so obvious i I think this is why we didn't say it but as long as we mention the, the sort of being in the shadow of the hobbit and building on the hobbit the chapter title of course is a long expected party which is a sort of inversion of the hobbit's first chapter title which is an unexpected party and i know that's probably a pretty obvious actually point, i didn't even notice yeah oh uh, yeah well okay okay in that case you know you're an idiot and you don't know the <laughs> obvious thing but though uh it is it is worth pointing out there again that the chapter is very much trying to like transition i think from from bilbo to frodo from The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings, from children's story to adult, from fairy tale to myth, something like that. So, Charlie, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite line in this chapter? Yeah, you know, I was actually about to ask. I, I think one thing we should do as we do this read through is constantly try to find like what's what's our favorite little line in each chapter to really appreciate Tolkien's prose. Personally, the I, I highlighted a few things here. I, I don't think this is the most dense chapter for great lines or anything and the one i chose was actually maybe not super significant compared to other lines we'll see in the book but i liked it and it comes for me when bilbo has played his trick and he's back at at bag end talking to gandalf and they haven't talked about the ring yet bilbo's just talking about his desire to leave his desire to travel and he says this line about frodo uh compared to bilbo he says i want to see the wild country again before i die and the mountains. But he is still in love with the Shire, with woods and fields and little rivers. I love that line. I think it's one has a nice rhythm to it. A nice rhythm to it, a nice sort of uh, meter. 
And I just love that contrast between Bilbo and Frodo that's being set up here. The wild versus the Shire and the wilderness versus civilization. What about you? Well, I think I agree with you that I think this chapter isn't, uh, you know, it's not overflowing with lines that people, you know, remember. But I think, so we have uh, a poem here and it's short and I think it should go said. And so here it is. It's Bilbo's poem as he leaves the Shire. The road goes ever on and on, down from the door where it began. Now far ahead the road has gone, and I must follow if I can, pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way where many paths and errands meet. And whither then, I cannot say. And I think, you know, it's great to have, you know, a little bit of Tolkien's poetry right in the beginning of the book. Yeah. yeah. So any closing thoughts on this chapter? I guess my closing thoughts here is actually reading it again. I, I do think this chapter is is that I do really enjoy uh, Tolkien's humor. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I was going to say something similar. And yeah, we're going to be... The book's almost front-loaded with it, right? Because it's going to be more in the Shire than it is out of the Shire because you're dealing with exclusively hobbits and they're the ones who are funny. They are good. I mean, you have Bilbo's classic, classic, uh, I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, sort of compliment slash insult. Tolkien makes the remark that all the hobbits are sitting there trying to like calculate if that comes out to a compliment or an insult. I mean, Bilbo's great. He's super funny. I love when he gives his parting gifts. Frodo's doling out the sort of like gifts that Bilbo has left for other people, and they're all kind of all Bilbo giving different hobbits the middle finger uh, for stealing from him. Um, so he's all, he's giving someone who used to borrow his books and never return them an empty bookshelf. Someone who stole spoons from him, he gives him a big case of silver spoons. He gives someone to someone who writes to him quite often. So it said that over many many years of of correspondence, he gave her a uh, a, a trash can <laughs> right <laughs> in memory of a long correspondence right it's great Tolkien's got that sort of dry humor with this stuff i think i i'm looking at that passage now and, and i love that line for it says for milo burrows hoping it will be useful from bb on a gold pen and ink bottle milo never answered letters and that's it like that's just all, right. just all that said and he just moves on i guess closing thoughts for me uh maybe just something about kind of tolkien's writing style something I noticed that I really appreciate. There are a couple of writers who do this, but in Tolkien's story, you are not reading the story. What's happening is that the story exists, and you are having someone tell you the story. And so there's sort of an implied relationship between you and the narrator, where in parentheticals, or just kind of like in the humor in the story, it's drawn off of it's as if they're t- they know this story and they're telling it to you versus reading the canon story itself. All right, and with that, that wraps up our discussion for Chapter 1 of Book 1 of The Lord of the Rings. Join us next time for Chapter 2, The Shadow of the Past. <laughs>